Glad to be with you guys again tonight and this week. Looking forward to what God has in store. And so tonight, we are in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, so if you missed this morning, uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter all week. So just plan on coming. Put your bookmark in 1 Peter. Uh, now tonight, we actually have PowerPoint, and tonight we actually have notes. So let me encourage you, uh, not only just to watch the PowerPoint, but let me encourage you to take notes, because as I said this morning, Hearing the word is not enough. It's hearing the word, taking that word in, and applying the word. How does it apply to my life? How do I walk in it? I think for me, for, well, I know for myself for years, uh, even though I grew up going to church, I grew up uh, uh, sitting in a pew from the time I can remember as a little kid, because that's what our family did, until the time I actually became a believer. And it wasn't until I became a believer at the age of 19 that I realized I had just been kind of sitting there and was clueless. I never actually opened my Bible because I had no reason to. Because I was dead on the inside. But when God got a hold of my life at the age of 19, all of a sudden I had a hunger to know Him. I had a hunger to be in His Word. I had a hunger to know what He wanted to say to me and to live my life in a way that honored Him. And it's been that way for 40 years. I mean, that God has used His Word in my life. And so, it is a, a real uh, burden of mine. And that's why I preach verse by verse. That's why uh, even the devotional book that, that Matt mentioned, I, it's written verse by verse. I mean, I literally walk you through 14 books of the Bible. It's not going to be topical it's just going to take you through one book after another, after another, after another. And I just take verse by verse by verse because we are living in a society today that we have begun to become lax in really knowing the Word. And so tonight we're talking about the importance of our salvation, the fact of how important our salvation is and how God has laid it out for us in 1 Peter to remind us of how important our salvation is and what was what was done for us to know the salvation that we know. And so in 1 Peter tonight, we, or this morning, we ended in verse 9. So guess what? We're starting in verse 10 tonight. We're starting in verse 10. And we're going to look at the prophets. We're going to look at the preachers. And then we're going to talk about the preparation. Our preparation. How do we prepare knowing what God not only has given us, but knowing what he's done for us. And so let's just start with verse 10. It says, as to this salvation, now remember this morning, we talked about the fact that God's salvation is given to us by his great mercy. We rejoice in the fact that we've been saved and knowing what he's done, he says, now let me just give you a little background. He goes all the way back and he says in verse 10, as to this salvation, the prophets, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Now, you do like I do. I mean, when I first started reading the Word, I mean, I would read stuff and just kind of go right by it going, okay, I don't know if that's important, but i got to find something that's important. And, and we can kind of just go by the, the depth and, and what God's trying to teach us just in one small verse. And so as we look at this, notice that the prophets, they prophesied of what? The grace that was going to come to us. And as they're prophesying about this grace, they're making careful searches and inquiries. So Number one, they knew of the grace to come. Now, was God's grace not given in the Old Testament? Well, of course it was. 
His grace was given in the Old Testament, starting all the way in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, God called out to them. Why? Because He wanted them to confess their sin. He wanted them to realize what they had done. And instead of confessing, of course, the both of them condemn first. Uh, you know, Adam condemns his wife, says, you know, it's that woman, you know, you gave me. And well, actually, he condemns God. He says, the woman, you gave her to me. I was fine, so she came along. You know, it's that kind of thing. And then he says, you know, Eve, what have you done? She goes, well, there's nobody else to blame other than the serpent. She goes, you know, the serpent, he deceived me. They wanted to point the finger at somebody else, but here's what they, here's what they said. And I ate. In other words, they did confess their sin. God show his grace. They had covered themselves with fig leaves. God covered them with skin, animal skins. Where'd those animal skins come from? From the blood sacrifice that God performed. God performed the first blood sacrifice as an example to say there must be a shedding of blood in order for sin to be forgiven. Now the beautiful thing about Christ's blood Christ's blood doesn't cover our sin. Christ's blood cleanses our sin. Big difference. The blood of animals, you read it over and over and over in the Old Testament. Cover, 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 cover. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like when we were kids and our parents asked us to clean our rooms. We'd throw everything under the bed and hide it in the closet. We covered the mess. It wasn't really clean. It was covered. All right? So all the saints of old, their sins were overlooked by God because they followed his example and performed the blood sacrifice. That was God's grace all throughout the Old Testament. But grace was fully realized in Jesus Christ, and he said, this is the final sacrifice. Now your sin is cleansed completely. You know what we live like? We still live like it's covered. See, when you cleaned your room when you were a kid, you knew it, there was stuff still there. I mean, he's like, hey, it's under the bed, it's in the closet, it's, you know, I, I shoved it behind the dresser, I, got, it, I shoved it under the dresser. You know, it wasn't until you actually went in there and vacuumed and pulled things out from under the bed and cleaned it out and actually filled trash bags full of junk that you were going, yeah, I didn't even know that was in there. I mean, and then, you, and then it was clean. Y'all, we need to live knowing that we're clean. You see, the grace was known by the prophets of old, but it wasn't fully, completely realized until Christ came. The second thing is this. I love this. They made careful searches and investigation. It says there in verse 10, they made careful searches and inquiries. Now here's the question I have for us tonight. Is our salvation so critical to us, so important to us, has changed us so much that we will not go a day without making careful searches and inquiries on what God is doing for us because of his word? Whoa. I mean, y'all, Jesus hadn't even come to the prophets of old, but man, they were like, I want to know. Y'all, we've been given everything. I mean, they didn't have the scriptures. They were literally writing the scriptures. God was using them to write the scriptures. We have it. And you know what? We've become, I hate to say this, but we have, we've become lazy. We don't make careful searches. I mean, we'll say, you know what? You know, I need, I need to get in the Bible more. Well, 
how bad do you need it? Because if you really need it, guess what you're going to do? Act on it. You're going to act on it. You're going to set that time aside. You're going to start to memorize Scripture. You're going to start taking the Word and not just reading about it, but taking it in and allowing it to nourish you. You see, when those prophets of old, when they made those careful searches and inquiries, there was nothing stopping them. It's like, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, because God, you're revealing to us, but when's he coming? When's he coming? I want to know when he's coming. I want to know the fullness of who this Messiah is. The promise had been given. God gave the promise again in Genesis chapter 3. They knew about it. Y'all, we have so much head knowledge. But is it transforming our hearts? Knowing it here and knowing it here are not the same. Knowing it here begins the process, but knowing it here changes everything. It changes the way we act toward people. It changes the way we treat people. It changes the way we look at people. It changes the way we look at our world. You know, we, we talk about the, the sin in our world and the devastation of our world, and, and I look at it going, God, you're just preparing it for the next coming. I get excited. You know, people are going, well, we want world peace. I don't. Because it's not, it, it's not even with Scripture. I mean, You're asking for something contrary to Scripture. God says, it's only going to get worse in order that my son comes back for his his church. Why are we expecting something better when God said, no, it's going to get worse? You see, when we don't know his word, we're asking for something. It's like, God goes, that's not my will, though. That's not what I have in store. As a matter of fact, I plan to destroy the world again, not with a flood. I'm destroying it with fire. And people go, oh, it's going to be a nuclear war. No, y'all don't understand. If every nuclear warhead on this planet went off all at one time, the earth would still be here. God says, I'm destroying the earth. It will no longer exist. The heavens as we know it won't exist. God says, I'm creating a brand new heaven. I'm creating a new earth. It's all going to be destroyed, obliterated by his holy fire. So, He's prepping us. He's getting us ready. And see, that's what the prophets were doing. Now notice in verse 11, he says, they were seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating. Who's indicating the coming of Christ? The Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit that lives in you and me right now. Same Holy Spirit is speaking to them saying, hey, they were seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he, the Holy Spirit, was predicting the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So, They wanted to know. They wanted to know two things. Number one, who Christ was. Number two, when Christ would come. That's what they were inquiring. Who is he and when's he coming? Now, we know he's already come. We know who he is. Are we that excited And are we so prepping ourselves daily that we're telling people, he's come, this is who he is. He came, this is who he is. This is who you need, it's Jesus. They were looking. We already have the knowledge, y'all. We already have it. That's how important our salvation is. We already know. 
But man, they were living their lives looking for the coming. Now, here's another question for us. Are we living our lives in such a way looking for this second coming? Or have we become so, so entrenched in our routine that we don't even expect, expect his return in our lifetime? When's the last time you woke up in the morning going, you know what, it could, it could be today. He, he could come back today because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It could be today. We don't look at it that way. I do. I'm like, God, as bad as it is, I mean, good night with, with social media and with the news. I mean, if you want to know how bad it is in the world, just turn the television on for 10 minutes. It'll depress you. But it also ought to excite you. Because according to what God says in his word, <laughs> this is what it's supposed to look like. And God is setting people free all over the world. Because of the garbage. Because of the wars. And because of the, 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 the incredible, horrific hurricanes and tsunamis. And people are coming to know Christ because they're going, why are we going through this? Because the coming king's getting ready. And they say, I want to know this, this king. People are being saved all over the world. But here in America, oh, y'all, we've become lazy. We don't search that way anymore. We know who the Christ is. We know when he came. We know why he came. And it's like, we've got it. And then we go, okay, I'm ready. God goes, No. I've invited you to be a part of my job now, the, the work. Let's go redeem the lost. Let's go tell them. Instead of, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, my goodness. That's what God wants. Because you see, the prophets, that's what they did. That's what they did. They were carefully searching. They were inquiring. I love this in verse 12. It says, it was revealed to them. Now think about this. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. Now I'm just going to give you part of verse 12. We're going to look at the rest of verse 12 in a minute. But here's what, here's what I see here. The Holy Spirit told them, number one, Christ is coming. Number two, Christ will suffer. Number three, Christ will be glorified. And then the last thing he told them is this. It was revealed to them. Uh, sorry, it's not about you. It's about those that are going to come after you. The Holy Spirit literally said, he's not coming in your time. Did that stop him from telling other people about him? Absolutely not. Can you imagine being told, he's not coming in your time? You see, it was revealed to them. It was not about them. It was about us. They knew they were laying the groundwork for us to be prepared for the coming king. Wow. Wow. You see, we know Christ already came. We know Christ suffered. We know Christ is glorified. And he's glorified in and through us because he lives in us. Y'all, the, the song we just sang a minute ago, the fact that he covers us with his presence, he doesn't just cover us with his presence. He fills us with his presence. He dwells in us constantly. We don't have to ask God for his presence. We're in his presence as a believer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're never without him because he lives in you. 
Why? So that you'll tell others about him. Our oldest son, when he's not, when he, and our oldest son, Austin, or Aaron's older brother, Austin, I just did his wedding a week ago yesterday. Got married. I got to officiate the wedding. It was awesome. They went on their honeymoon. They went on a cruise. Uh, uh, Jen's parents paid for the cruise. They had a great time. We talked to them on the phone this afternoon. They had just gotten back, and, and there they were so excited. And they met all kinds of people on the cruise. Most of them were from the Northeast, and, from Boston, and they all have weird accents up there. But anyway, they met all these people from up in the Northeast. And everybody knew they were newlyweds. You know why? Because they told everybody. <laughs> why? Because they were excited. They were excited in the fact that God had brought them together as husband and wife. They didn't walk around the cruise going, don't tell anybody. Just be yourself. It's cool. No! They were like, we're married. We're, we're celebrating our honeymoon. This is awesome. That's exactly how we ought to be living for Christ every day. Some of us have lost that fire. We've lost that sense of, man, my king, he came. My king, he suffered for me. My king, he's been glorified and he lives in me. And man, he can glorify himself in you if you'll just surrender to him. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. But the enemy, man, the enemy gets us so involved in busyness of life. And we got stuff. We got bills to pay, and we got to go to work, and we got all this junk going on. We got homework if we're in school. We got teachers we don't like, and we got bosses we don't like. We got employees we don't like. I mean, and God goes, but I put those people in your life so you can tell them about me. Uh-oh. Hello. God, I don't like that teacher. God goes, I love her. I love him. When are you going to tell them about me? I don't like my boss. He's lost. You know what? That's why I put you in that job because you're saved. And you need to tell your boss about me. Golly, y'all. Every boss I've had, and I've, had, I've worked secular jobs over the years. I've been bivocational several times. I can't tell you how many doors God has opened for me. I actually loved being in sales, if you can imagine that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've had sales positions, and I loved being able to sit down with people, and I'd be talking about the product, and, and then we would go to lunch, and guess what we talk about? <laughs> My Lord. Because, you know, the first thing they'd say is, uh, you're different. And I'd say, yeah, I know. And they'd say, you know, I had one guy, I used to sell calendars to police departments and sheriff's departments and, and uh, police, you know, fire departments, that kind of stuff, and I, I would ride around with the officer. Uh, and we'd go sell ads. And I had one officer, we were working in Georgia, and, and uh, he said, why do you do this? And I said, well, I'm actually doing this because I work in a ministry uh, full-time, but I have to do this because I'm raising support. And he goes, he goes, you're, you're like a preacher, pastor? Like, I said, I sure am. He goes, you're not like any preacher or pastor I've ever met. And I looked at him, I said, yeah, I don't have the hair, do I? And he, and and of course, this officer, I mean, we had been riding together for about four hours, and I mean, every other word was not a nice word. Uh, it wasn't a word you'd ever use in the pulpit or anywhere else, as far as for that matter. And he goes, man, I got, I, I've been, uh, I probably need to not say what I've been saying anymore. I need to kind of clean up my language. And I said, you're not accountable to me. I said, now he lives in me, but I said, you're not accountable to me, you're accountable to him. 
I said, let me tell you how God has changed my life. And when I got done sharing it with him, he just said, you know what, I've never heard that. And I was like, where you been, dude? I mean, you live in Georgia. You live in the Bible Belt of the world. You know, it's like, he goes, I'm just telling you, I haven't heard it that way. We went to lunch with his girlfriend. The first thing he says to his girlfriend we get, when we get ready to walk in the rest of don't say, he's a preacher. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, but I'm not God. He lives in me, but I'm not him. But you know what I'm saying? Are we living our lives in such a way that we're proclaiming him, that we're talking about him, that we're telling others, realizing every open door God gives us, he puts us in those realms of influence. Why? So that we're telling them about him the same way the prophets did. And the prophets didn't even get the chance to know him. But they still were proclaiming him. I mean, they, they got to write over 400 prophecies about him in the Old Testament, but they never saw him until they went home. Wow. You see, the prophets remind us of what we ought to be doing. Here, the second thing, what about the preachers? Look at verse 12, the end of verse 12. It says, in these things, which now have been announced to you, through those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, several things here. Number one, the good news has been announced and preached to us by those filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. He says, you know what? Every preacher you've heard, every teacher you've heard, every time you've heard the gospel... Man, that's from the Holy Spirit. Matt, what you were just saying a minute ago. We don't just stand up here to talk to talk. We're saying, this is what God is speaking to your hearts, and this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking through us. Not saying that arrogantly, saying it very humbly, going, this is what God's called us to do. But you know what? He's called you to do it too. That's why, that's why he lives in you. See, he didn't just call a few of us to go, well, there's a few preachers, and there's a few teachers, and there's a few apostles, there's a few prophets, there's a few evangelists. There's a few. No, he said, uh, I'm calling them so they get you ready. They're going to equip you so we're all doing it together. Because you know what? There's people that you'll cross paths with that I'll never, ever, ever, ever meet. There's people in your realm of influence that Matt will never, ever, ever, ever meet. You have family members that you see maybe once a year, Christmas or Thanksgiving, Easter, that will never come to Florine. But God's given you the influence in their lives. You see, that's what God's called us to. The fact that he's given us this, he's given us the good news, and he's announced it to us through the preachers and through the Holy Spirit. Why? So we can give that good news away. Not only that, but then he says, even the angels don't completely understand the good news. Now, remember I told you this morning I was going to talk a little bit about angels? Well, here it is. Angels can't be saved because they are different than us. They're not like us. They are angels. They were created as warriors. They were created as servants. As a matter of fact, in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 11 through 19, Elijah, Elijah uh, uh, literally, the, the, the king of, of, of uh, Aram is, is uh, or the Amorites, is, wants to kill Elijah because Elijah keeps telling the king of Israel where they're going to be and, and they continue to be protected. And he's like, I want you to go kill this prophet. So they find out where he is. They surround the city that he's in. I mean, they've got chariots all around the city, horsemen all around the city. And Elijah's uh, servant goes out and goes, oh man, we're in trouble. 
I mean, he sees all, he's like, oh my goodness. And Elijah goes, God, do me a favor, open his eyes so he can see what I see. And as the servant's eyes are opened, what does he see? He sees chariots of fire and the angelic beings literally surrounding that army. And he goes, uh, our army's bigger than theirs. And God delivered. He literally, he said, God, why don't you just strike them blind? And he did. And then Elijah takes them out of the city, takes them to Samaria, and then opens their eyes. And they're all going, oh, we're in trouble. And the king of Samaria says, you want me to kill him? He says, no, I want you to feed him so they can go back and proclaim to their king, our king. Wow. Also, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, are they, talking about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? What do the angels do? They are servants of the Most High God to do what? To minister to us who receive His salvation. But even the angels looked into salvation. Look at that verse again. Look at the end of verse 12. It says, he says, the fact that the angels long to look into salvation. You know what? And again, this is my take on it. I'm just sharing my opinion now. This is not God's word, so don't write it down as God's word. This is my opinion. I think angels are looking at the, at, at the Father and, and realizing all that God has done on our behalf as humans, and they're going, why? I mean, they continue to deny you. They continue to turn their backs on you. God, why? And I believe our Heavenly Father looks at them and goes, because I love them. And they're made in my image. And I won't give up on them. Even when we turn our back on God, God never turns his back on us. Y'all, what we have is absolutely phenomenal. That's how important our salvation is. If we, don't, if we don't grasp it and search it and look into the word every day, we lose sight of what we really have in our King and our Lord. And what we've been given to give away to those around us. My dad... My dad, for literally for almost 16 years, watched me and my two brothers both come to know Christ. And my dad loved what he saw in us, but I prayed for my dad every day for 16 years. And finally, at the age of 60, my dad surrendered. God doesn't give up on anybody. My dad is now 86. God never gives up on anybody. We give up on people, but God never does. God says, I don't want you to give up on anyone either. Because he never says, I never gave up on you. But even the angels make careful searches and inquiries. They, they, they look into it like, what is, our, what is our king? What is our creator doing? And God's displaying his love. So let's look at the preparation. This is our part, y'all. This is our part. Look at verse 13. It says, therefore. Now, anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? I learned that through preset ministries. The therefore is not there just to be there. It's there for a reason. Everything we looked at this morning and everything we've looked at tonight so far, he says, therefore, because of all of these things, the salvation you have, the fact that the prophets have done this, the fact that God sent preachers and teachers, the fact that you have come to know him, here's what I want you to do. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely 
on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what you got to do. So, number one, we got to direct our minds for battle. Do you realize you walk into the battlefield every single day? Are you prepared for battle? Let me ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. I'm going to ask you a question. Well, first let me make a statement. Every one of us in here know our greatest weakness. Every one of us in here know what our greatest temptations are. I mean, if, if I said, well, did you write down on a sheet of paper, what are your greatest temptations? Every one of you in here could take out a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, and you'd have no problem going, okay, I'm tempted with this, I'm tempted with this, I struggle with this, my weakness is this. I mean, I mean you could sit there and write it all down. Now, here's my question for you. Don't answer it out loud, but here's my question. How many scriptures have you memorized according to your greatest weakness? Because you're walking into a battlefield every single day. If you don't have scriptures memorized according to your greatest weakness, guess what is happening to you? You're losing the battle. That's why he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Directing our minds for battle. Romans 12, 2 says, Therefore, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know what? If your mind's being renewed and you're searching the word of God, God's will is not hard to find. Matter of fact, God's will is obvious. You know what he asked us to do? Obey him. That's his will. <laughs> Obedience. Every time God has moved us, it has been in different circumstances, different situations, but there was no doubt in our hearts. God was going, this is next. Yes, sir. Were those moves hard for us? Sure. But man, what he's done in and through us, I wouldn't trade it for the world. God has taken care of us every step of the way. But are we preparing our minds for battle? Matter of fact, Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, it starts here. It starts right here. That we direct our minds for battle, knowing we're going into that battlefield. I mean, if we don't go into the battlefield prepared, it's almost, it's just like an athlete going into a, a competition not prepared for the battle he's about to face or she's about to face. You can't imagine a football player going onto the field without their uniform on, without the pads on, without a helmet on. You can't imagine someone that runs track getting on to the, 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 uh, uh, the track itself, getting ready to run a race, and, and having on street clothes and a pair of cowboy boots or a pair of work boots. You're going, I don't think they're going to win. Every battle we go into, we go into win. We want to have victory, but the thing is, we've got to be prepared for it. We've got to direct our minds for the battle. And then third, our second thing is this. we got to discipline our strength. we got to discipline our strength and our courage. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble and do, but do not be dismayed. Another scripture I'll give you goes right along with that. Just write it down. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It doesn't say ask for the strength of the Lord. Listen to me. It doesn't say ask for the strength of the Lord. Ask for the power of God. Ask for the might of God. It says you be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And then he tells us how. In verses 11 through 18, he says, you've got to put on the armor. In other words, walk into that battlefield prepared. Are you disciplined by his strength and his courage? Or are you doing this on your own? Because if you're doing it on your own, guess what? You're going to get beat down. You're going to be defeated. How do we overcome? Our faith. How do I know that? Because God tells us that. Matter of fact, Ephesians 6, 16 says, take up the shield of faith, because through the shield of faith, you're able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, for those who overcome the world, the victory that, overcome, the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. Those of us who are born of God, we've overcome the world, and the victory the victory is through our faith. How do we have victory? Clinging to him, trusting in him, relying on him. Every single day of every circumstance we face. But are we disciplining ourselves to be strong in him? Do we find our strength in him? Are we feeding on his word to know that we're strong in him? and allowing Him to do what only He can do through us. And the last thing is this. The preparation, we have to determine our hope will be in Him and His grace. Ephesians 2.8, very familiar verse. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. There it is again. And that not of yourselves. What's not of ourselves? Not just grace. Faith is not of ourselves, y'all. Y'all realize God gave you faith so that you could put that faith right back into him? But so many people don't. Grace is a gift, but so is his faith. God gave you the ability to put your complete trust in him. That's how we're saved. That's how we overcome. We determine, okay, my hope, my foundation, what I stand in, I stand in the rock of Christ and his word and nothing's going to move me. Nothing's going to shake me. Oh, the storms, they're coming. The storms of life, the trials, the tests, they're coming. But you know what I have in him? As much as I might be beaten on, I won't be taken down. I won't be taken down. See, that's what God wants us to realize because you see, when we realize that, Revival happens. Revival happens every day. Revival is not a, it's not, let me say this. Revival is not an event, y'all. It's not an event. It's every day. It's every day. Every day when we wake up, God, you have revived me, not just physically, but man, you're, you, you've given me a brand new day to serve you today. 
I don't ask him to revive me. I thank him that he already has. And he continues to every single day. I thank him for reviving me, for restoring me, for refreshing me, for renewing me every day because that's what we have in Christ. We think it's an event. We think it's something that we've got to muster up. It's, it's something we have to work harder at. And God goes, no. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He says, I'm at work in you to carry out my will, to carry out my work. So you think God's going to try to hide his will from us? No, he goes, I'm trying to accomplish it through you. Thank you very much. He says, you just need to come fellowship with me. You need to know who you are in me. And as you do through my word, man, we're going to rock this world. That's what he wants to do every single day day of our lives. That's revival, y'all. That's revival. It's having our eyes open to the fullness of what God is doing in us, the fullness of what God is doing through us, and the fullness of the fact that he's not done with us yet. He's not done with us yet. So the question tonight for all of us is this, what do we do with it? Well, we got to direct our minds for battle. You got to start renewing your mind now. I challenge every one of you, if you haven't memorized scriptures according to your weakness, hey, all you got to do is Google it. Get a Bible app and put in there, my greatest weakness, what scriptures deal with my greatest weakness, and I'll tell you what, some of these Bible apps will pull them up for you. Start memorizing those scriptures first. Begin to discipline yourself. Discipline is part of what you have because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. How do I know that? 1 Peter 1.7. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and discipline, a sound mind. You see, God's already given it to you. But when you know his word, then you know what you have. If you don't know his word, you don't know what you have. It's like a blind person walking into a mall having no clue what's there for them because they've never been. Sometimes we are like blind to God's truth because we wait for somebody else to tell us instead of us unpacking it ourselves and seeing what God has for us every single day. You want revival? Start disciplining yourself. Discipline yourself. Get your mind ready. Direct your mind. Discipline yourself with his strength and his courage and then determine, determine that you know your hope is in him. And if you don't, then get down here tonight and get that settled. If you don't know your hope is in Christ, come down front, talk to me, talk to Matt and say, I want to know that I belong to the king and I'm starting my life new tonight. I want a relationship with him. If you're a believer and you've been struggling with any one of these things, get down here tonight because you know what? If you do nothing with it, nothing's going to change. <laughs> nothing will change. You have to speak it and then ask people to hold you accountable and then watch what God does. It's no different than taking care of ourselves physically. It's an act of our will. We make choices every day. What choices are you making to be revived in
So the invitation tonight, as it was this morning, maybe it's to come down to this altar and to confess whatever unconfessed sins you might have. And thanking God for his incredible forgiveness. Maybe it's coming down front to talk to your pastor and to say, Pastor, you know what? I'm struggling with this or I have not been acting on this and I'm asking you and maybe some other men or some other women to say, hold me accountable. You see, we need each other. That, we're a family, y'all. That's what God's called us. We're his family. And if we're not willing to be open and honest here within the family, nothing's going to change out in the world. We got to be open and honest. Here's our biggest fear. What's everybody going to think? If you're being obedient to your king, who cares? Who cares? But we got to act upon it to make those changes. And if you are, I mean, if you know you're walking in this, then go encourage somebody else to walk with you. Go mentor somebody else. Go pour your life into somebody else. I mean, the fact that I get to travel and do this, I, to invest in churches all over the country, I love that. But I got, I've got my own son I'm continuing to mentor, my oldest son. I've got three other young men in the Louisville area that I mentor, pour, life, pour my life into. Because God's not done with using us yet. He's not done with any of us. If he was, you wouldn't be here. He's not done. Don't look at your age. Don't think, oh, you know, I'm too old. Really? Moses didn't even start his ministry until he turned 80. Hello? I mean, he was kind of slow. God had to take him into the wilderness for 40 years and teach him. Hopefully he doesn't have to do that to you. But the thing is, he's not done with any of us. He has a ministry for every one of us. And when that ministry's over, guess what? He'll say, all right, come on. So don't quit. Don't quit. And let God use you. So, tonight, how will you respond? Publicly? You already know. God's already spoken to your heart. Are you going to be obey? Is it something that you need to respond with in your family? Is it something that you need to respond to when you walk out of here to call somebody? Whatever it is, do it. We're going to pray. As I'm praying, when we're, once we're done, we're going to do the Baptist thing. We're going to stand, and then it's time to respond. Matt's going to be down front. But let me encourage you. Be obedient. Be obedient. Whatever God's leading you to do, be obedient. If it, and if you're sitting there going, I'm not sure, but I know I need to move, just come down and talk to Matt. Let him pray for you. That's cool. Or just come down and talk to your heavenly daddy. He'll make it obvious to you. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, oh, just for the opportunity that you give me. Not only to speak your word of truth, but daddy, that you work it in me and, and through me every day. I thank you that I see it in the life of my wife and Wendy and I see it in my son Aaron. I see it in my son Austin. I see it in my daughter-in-law Jen. I see it in the people that you've put around our lives. Uh, I've seen it in Matt and his wife Brittany. I've seen it in in several of the friends that we have made here. I thank you for that. But Daddy, there are those here tonight that might be struggling. Whatever it is, give them the boldness and the courage to respond to you. And in so doing, that they realize they're glorifying you, they're honoring you, and to let your light shine through them. And so during this time of invitation, Daddy, oh, set people free. Set them free. 
that the fear is destroyed, doubt is destroyed, disillusionment is destroyed, and that they walk in your freedom. And I pray this in and through you, Lord Jesus, and I thank you. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you.